0: We put up some numbers, girl. We put up some numbers. Listen, one thing no one can say that this was real. If you were there, this was real. Like this was real. It, it was. We 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 earned all of it, and we don't like to, you know, both of us. We do a very good job with a bad job, with accepting the fact of like we did the work. Like it that it is what it is. You know. Um, and, yeah, the recap, and this is just a fraction of it, you know, you had to be there. You had to know be there. that. If, if you ever are wondering, like, huh, like, you know, why? This, it was a lot of tears. It was a lot of sacrifice. It was a lot of...
1: I will never forget the day I met Alizé. We were taking our PSATs, and I couldn't help but be distracted by this girl one row up and to the right in Pink Uggs. I was shocked they had just started to release them in flavors and I thought I was doing it in my baby blues. My first thought was pink and my second thought was that I immediately had to introduce myself to this girl. We finished our exams at the same time or maybe I hurried up to catch her leaving. Don't worry mom and dad I did great. I asked her about her shoes and she asked me about my top three university choices. Could you believe we had the same exact list? Georgetown, Howard, Syracuse. We didn't question why it had taken so long to meet, just grateful it had happened the way it did. What struck me most about Alizé was how sure of herself and her goals she was. I consider myself a very goal-oriented person, but even at 16, Alizé had dreams of becoming the mayor of New York City. I just wanted to have a career in a closet like Carrie Bradshaw. An UG and an exam would lead us to do legendary things together. Oh, you don't believe me. So, how did we meet, Alice? Oh, my gosh.
0: (laughs) You know, it's actually unbelievable. You guys won't believe it because no one does this,
1: but the two people that do happen to be in the same room. Here's the thing. We're two dweebs Dweebs. (laughs) So,
0: here we are taking the PSAT, right? Because, you know, (laughs) everyone is supposed to take the PSAT. I think this was probably our third time taking it. Trying to perfect this score in preparation for our SATs because we had
1: to get into our reach schools. Our reach school,
0: we because we were both Hoyas that we knew we were going to Georgetown from the time we were six. Um, and we go and take our PSATs, and of course, there's only two black girls in the room, her and I. And the two black girls, what do they have on their feet at that time? Some colorful Uggs. <laughs> so we're both looking at each other like, "Hey, girl, you know, you cute." you cute, right? But you can't talk to no one. This is PSATs. like, you're supposed to be focusing on your test. <laughs> we're now trying
1: to rush through the test because we're trying to meet. We're trying to meet and mingle. No, and also remember, the proctor wasn't giving us breaks. So we breezed through yeah. and finished it anyway.
0: We had a terrible proctor. Oh, my gosh. It was a joke. <laughs> but it worked out in our benefit because we had we we knew we'd have found each other. We're like, oh, wow. Friends sold me. Take our PSAT immediately we go sit in mcdonald's probably for two hours Easy, and two hours. talk as if we would known each other forever like and we're both signing up to do posse which is the scholarship program that sends you to like these baby ivy schools we had the same schools listed for posse same
1: exact schools same like, schools yeah. like
0: in the same order knew that we wanted to go to georgetown and then we realized that we had so many mutual friends in Harlem. And we're like, okay, great. This is this is a win-win. We're now besties. And literally, we have not
1: stopped talking since- From that, that day.
0: day. From 16 that day. or 15, 16 years old. No, yeah, it was 15 because you had the tea party for your 16th birthday.
1: No, we were 16. I had the tea party for my 17th birthday. 17th birthday,
0: yeah. I throw a party child. And also, Tiffany throws a party every year. And that is where the marriage began and it has not ended.
1: It has not ended. Um, Allie wound up going to Howard University. I'm a bison by love. Yes, she's um, a bison of the <laughs> I went to Syracuse, Um, and again, no we, we literally like were, Allie was honorary <laughs> orange man, I was an honorary bison. We stayed at the hip all throughout yes, that first year color. process. And I have to thank you because, you know, a lot of our friends weren't immediately going to university, right? And so it was nice to have somebody from back home who got it, who was also having these transformative experiences on campus so much so that after our first year, we came back and I will let you tell what happened after a cookout that maybe inspired something that changed our lives.
0: So the summer we were going to college was also the summer in Harlem where, you know, we can't say that gun violence didn't exist, right? I think that it exists in a different capacity, um, and I think it was like really like, if you were in that world, then you were experiencing certain, you were having certain experiences, but it really wasn't trickling out of those spaces. I think that's fair to say. I think the year that we were going to school, 2007, you and know, maybe we were older. And again, we were always kind of running the streets, but maybe just a different capacity um, that gave us a higher visibility, but this, in particular situation was definitely an anom- anomaly that then became the norm, unfortunately. Um so we are leaving this cookout and walking what up 125th Street. So walking east to west no, I was
1: driving. Oh my God. Remember I was driving. We was driving from the east side east to, to the west side. Yeah side, we're going yeah, east to mm-hmm.
0: west and a big shootout happens in front of the statue on 125th Street. And we're literally watching people scramble up and down 125th Street from the shooting. And it's like, it was in that moment where, like, time out. Like, this is our, these are our peers, you know, like we are having a good time. Cookouts are normal in Harlem. This happens all the time. And this is how this ends. Then we fast forward, what, two weeks, three weeks later. The person, I was dating someone and there was a shootout that happens right in front of my building where, you know, one of the guys that we knew ended up dying, that I witnessed die right in front of me. And Tiffany and I are like, okay, time out. Like, this is not the Harlem that we know, or this is not, and this is not the Harlem that we want to leave, knowing that this is now becoming a thing. And we started to do more research and just understanding, you know, one, how gun violence increases during the summer, just understanding the way that was happening with gun violence amongst young people. And we said, okay, we have to do something about this. And Tiffany comes up with this amazing idea to do an event in all of 24 hours, um, you know, <laughs> honoring.
1: Yo, something is really wrong with me. Yeah, like literally,
0: <laughs> it's like, I have this idea, like Tiffany, we're about to leave to go to school, like today, like, what are you talking about? You have an amazing <laughs> idea. Um, and wanting to honor people in the community that was doing positive things to combat gun violence. And that was the birth of Young Harlem. And Tiffany goes, let's start a nonprofit. And I'm like, Tiffany, again, great idea. We're going to school. We're start. We're now freshmen in college. We have no idea what we're about to get into. But okay, great. We're gonna start a nonprofit. Um, And we just started, you know. And I think this was one of the things, the lessons that. I would love for just many people to learn, but just especially young people, right? Like sometimes it's just about the process, right? You can't think about what your end goal is. We didn't have no idea what the end goal was. We were just moving minute by minute in terms of like, what should we produce to help produce, create this idea um, that's going to hopefully impact the lives of young people in our community. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less, right? How do we start to like really promote and elevate this crisis so that folks know that we're paying attention to it, that we can start getting our peers aware of it, and we as a whole can just start making changes, small changes. That's what we did. We we're, we're, we're doing the work. Um we're building this nonprofit. We have no idea what a nonprofit means. Like we have no idea what we're supposed to be doing in terms of like producing this thing, but like we're gonna do the work we're committed to the work we're committed to the process um which lands us you know winning an award and being recognized by bt for black girls rock and then we were well yeah fast forward four years so like we're doing this throughout college coming home having events working on programs and once we graduated college black girls rock took place we got awarded for that um and now we're back home and we're like okay now we can start doing more things for. Young Harlem. Um, but again, it's recognizing that, like, if you have an idea, just start it, right? Like, you don't know what it's going to turn out to be. You don't know how it's going to change your life. You know, something as simple as, and I was laughing about this other day, Tiffany. Our friend Kathleen was our publicist because she was in PR. She studied PR. So we said, You're going to be our publicist. Come on over
1: here come on and, over here. And, and we don't know stuff. yet, right? Yeah. Because we're
0: starting to do after Black Girls Rock. We're having all these media outlets reach out to us. We're having all these awards. We don't know anything about PR or what we're supposed to do. Our friend becomes our publicist who then meets another okay. publicist and she starts working under her. And the relationship has grown since that time, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, That's when we talk about networking across, you know, we weren't even cognizant of what we were doing, but we were doing it, right? Like tapping into our friends and looking at their skill sets and things that they were excited about. And we're like, okay, just like, come on over here and do that, right? You like fashion? Can you come style us for these events? Because we need to to look good, right? And to now fast forward and look at all of us and where we are now, is like, you know, yes, we we. We, we wanted to do bigger things with Young Harlem, which we will be um, come back to. Um, come back to but the real power is just how this opportunity shaped all of our careers, you know, in the future. Like now, looking back at it from the past. So,
1: Yeah, if you have an idea, just start it. And pull in support from those around you. Shout out to our girl, Kathleen Crawford, who went on to work for the legendary Marvette Brito. Put some respect on your friends' dreams and build together. Yeah. I do think that at the age we were in our early 20s, it was kind of a rarity for young women who, like, again, we was in the club. We wasn't not, not in the club. We, we were in the club. club. We were outside. Okay? Forty-four we were outside. You used to love the 40-40 club. Listen, it's, it's, you it's a
0: special place in my heart.
1: <laughs> you're, you're a black halo dress and your tights. Okay, you were in the club. <laughs> Listen, we were in the club, before, and,
0: and, and folks, we were in the club before we were supposed to be in the club. Facts,
1: like, facts. But I think there's something to having women like Inez Dickens, I, Sister Aisha Seku, mm-hmm. you know, Jackie, Jackie Rowe Adams. Adams. You know, what was it about these women that you felt so connected and compelled to
0: um those three in particular really shaped really really shaped me um because you know again i am my focus has always been community but from a corporate lens right and figuring out how do you balance the two right like wanting to essentially serve as this trestle that's connecting corporate worlds to the community, wanting to be in a space of giving back. Um, what did that look like? I had no clue. You know, and then you meet these three women, you know, one council member, two strong community activists that again, has strong ties to the corporate space that, are, that, that was willing and able to bring in leaders from all across corporate America to Harlem to talk about the issue of gun violence. Never seen that before, right? Um, and you're talking about the space that wasn't really fully de- developed, social community impact, corporate social, corporate social, was it? I'm blanking, corporate responsibility. social responsibility. Lord, mommy brain. You know, that was not a real, honestly not a real thing. It wasn't a well-developed part of the business, for businesses. Um, so I saw these leaders doing this work and I'm like, okay, I can do this, whether it's just within my space. And at that time, it really was just like, how do we change the face of Harlem? Like, we know that Harlem is changing. We know that the leadership in Harlem is going to be changing. How do we become a part of that, right? For us, it was just like working within our backyard because we felt so indebted to our community, right? Like you and I would not be where we are if it wasn't for Harlem, if it wasn't for the people in Harlem. So that really was the focus at, at first. Um, and these women, they gave me, like, the blueprint. Like, this is how you do it, and then this is how you put your own twist to it. And Jackie Ro Adams specifically, because she was, she's been able to keep her ears to both sides of it, right? To be locked in with the community that, like, built Harlem, but still tapping into, you know, the younger part of Harlem and seeing where Harlem is growing into, And just understanding that you can have that balance, right? That you can be everything you want to be and still make an impact in your community and make sure folks know that, like, as you grow, you're bringing them along with you. Um, And it really has been monumental because those three people are, are like, true, like, for female empowerment, like, true anchors in our community. Um, So super grateful for them because it would not have been possible. Love all three of them.
1: Much love, honor, and respect to all of the incredible women who raised us young girls. And those who stood on the front lines for our young men, like Tamika Mallory, Lisa Evers, Ashley, and Dominique Sharpton. Definitely do your research, but I'll give you a crash course on one. Jackie Rowe Adams, a community powerhouse with a heart as good as her dance moves. Within a few years of one another, Jackie lost two sons to senseless gun violence. Since then, she's dedicated her life to supporting grieving families and lobbying for safer gun laws through her work as the founder of Harlem Mothers Save. The organization's acronym stands for Stop Another Violent End. Jackie, all of 411, would report to Harlem Hospital with Sister Aisha Seku, most times in the middle of the night, to do retaliation prevention after a shooting. These women would sit with these young boys full of rage and sadness and fear and beg them to consider nonviolent resolutions. These small windows of time, these midnight appeals to humanity have often been the deciding factor of another one of us being gone too soon. I wanna go back to something you said about how we took a step back and looked at where the trends were, especially in gun violence. Something you were keen to very early on in our friendship and in this process with Young Harlem was that correlation between kids are off for summer They come from low-income households. This is kind of the result. How did you make that three-line?
0: You know, I think when we started doing research and really looking at what was happening also in Chicago, you know, and again, just another place where gun violence is extremely notorious, um, you know, in the South Side, and just seeing how what happened and you know, what took place in the South Side of Chicago was taking place increase of gun violence, lack of resources, at the same timing where we're starting to see, you know, a decrease in opportunities in summer employment, starting to see the decrease in summer programming, you know, at that, prior to that time, you know, a lot of people took place and engaged with summer youth. Um, we had less of that. We had a lot of enrichment programs running during the summer. A lot of those were being cut. So you just had people outside, right? And In addition to that, we saw, I think it was during that, like um, during that spring, there was a lot of, um, unfortunately, a lot of older men that we considered to be like OGs that was going um, to prison. And the lack of education just in terms of like what street respect was supposed, supposed to look like, you know, those people were now gone. So, you just had young people engaging in things that, like, you really didn't have, you, you really didn't understand what you were doing, right? Um, and now you're the big person on your blog or your whatever the case may be, the increase of just how guns was just getting into our community. All of those things were playing a part, um, which then prompted us to say, okay, well, how can we, clearly, we need programming, right? How can we create programming just to offer people, whether it's 45 minutes, right? 45 minutes of something that is quality programming, exposure to people that look like you, um, people that you can aspire to. And we said, okay, let's make Young Harlem University, right? And we were able to partner and still like one of our proudest moments because we're partnering with a school, you know, with students that's in high school and we're literally bringing our friends and we had just graduated, right? And we're bringing our friends who have spent four years perfecting this skill set in this major you know that was fortunate enough to like get a job offer in that space and we're like hey can you come in and do you know a 30 minute 45 minute class because one thing we also knew is how much you know young kids of color thrive to be entrepreneurs right like I want to be entrepreneur I don't want to have a boss um and we wanted them to be educated in terms of like what does entrepreneurship actually looks like, and what does that actually mean. And that yes, you want to be an entrepreneur, but you still need to know all these key elements. And bringing in our friends that were that had expertise in finance, expertise in you know, advertising, expertise in law, to talk to these students about all these different areas of creating a business, and then having them like our little own Shark Tank them create their own businesses and pitch it back to us. Like, you know, again, we we didn't have the capacity to run programming all day, but we knew that, okay, for 45 minutes, we're putting you in a space to talk about something that you might not be exposed to. And hopefully that transcends your day, right? That let you can now spend the rest of your day thinking about things a little bit differently. Because wow, I just met someone that's 21. I am 16 that you know, no, they're no subject matter expert, but they're starting their career out. You know that they are. They've graduated college, um, talking to me about my future. You know, there's hope for me, and that's all we wanted to do was to show them that there's hope. Because, again, to Tiffany's earlier point, there wasn't a lot of people that we knew in our immediate immediate circle that graduated from four year universities. Um. You know, some people went to colleges and trade schools and, you know, stay close to home. But to conquer the, the the quest of going away, leaving your neighborhood, going to a four-year school, being exposed to, you know, people from all walks of life, from all over this country, from all over this world, mm-mm, very foreign. Um, so for us to be able to provide that to these young people was just, it was a magical moment. It was so magical. Um. Uh, you know and again that's that's when we talk about like again the process versus the finish line we have no idea how we probably change the lives of some of those students right again not being focused on the end goal being and, and just looking at the process of it these kids probably walked away like I can do this right like I can go to school you know I can okay Papa. I can go to school I can um I can make more of myself like it's possible and I can do so when it can look cool.
1: Listen, here's the thing that people really don't know about us. We are nerds. We're dweebs, all of the things, but we make it look good. You know, you still got to make it look good.
0: (laughs) Right. Like we are probably some of the most uncool people you'll probably ever (laughs) meet in your life. Wouldn't know it though. Wouldn't know it. Wouldn't know it. Wouldn't know it. Like we, the things that we, (laughs) that really gets us excited You'll laugh at, but,
1: you know, it does show, some enou- it sh- but what I will say to that, to that very point of like, not, uh, you know, you can't be what you can't, you've never seen or you, you can't see, right. It's like what I do now, um, felt like I need to be an old white dude in a suit to be a creative executive in this way. I didn't even know a creative executive was a thing. How I had all these experiences? Cause at this point we're doing young Harlem, we're expanded now to young Harlem university. You are working in the tech space. How does that now transition you to corporate responsibility, especially at Nike? So
0: I have to laugh because, um, you know, I took this, I took my first job in the tech recruiting space because at that point in time, you know, um, New York, Mayor Bloomberg was making Silicon ba- New York the Silicon Valley of the East most of my friends from Howard was getting these amazing job offers at, you know, all these tech places. And I'm like, well, I guess I should be in tech completely moving away from what I truly knew I was passionate about and what I was interning for the past four years, completely made a U-turn. Um, you know, so again, the nugget there is like focus on what you are doing. Like it does not matter what other people have going on, focus on yourself because I took that job offer and it was the worst decision I could have ever made in my life, right? Making great money to be 21, able to get my own apartment, all these things, this job couldn't be furthest from what I truly wanted to do. I'm leaving work to do Young Harlem stuff, right? Like I'm leaving work and doing a, a interview on ABC to only come back in the office and ABC is now on and here I go with the same dress that I have on for work, and my boss is like, "Time out! You said you were going, said you were going to doctor's visit. Why are you on ABC?" Th- this is this is where we were like it's completely adults that didn't know what like, what adulting actually meant. didn't know
1: what we was doing.
0: Um, no, had no clue, right? That I'm looking at her and I'm like, "Why do you care what I I said I was going to a doctor's visit?" Yeah sorry still my time on the corporate clock okay but right you're still like ma'am that's not how this works and i would cry like every other day on the seven train because i hated this job i'm like yeah i'm done i quit no backup no backup job mind you my parents just got me new cars, it's got my apartment how do you not have a plan again Another immature, not really thinking about life seriously from a work standpoint. Um, but I, I had to quit because I'm like, this is not it for me, and I'm going to spend, God forbid, two or three years in this space, moving me further away from my passion, and I have to do something really bold to get me back on track because I know that I made the wrong decision when I took this job offer. And I spent damn near a year, you know, contracting so that we can do more work within Young Harlem and just be closer to the community. Right. And just refocus my anchor, like in terms of what it was that I wanted to do. So, you know, again, I knew in my heart of heart, how can I bring what I'm doing with Young Harlem and get a nice salary that I was just getting from the tech space. Um, and I met this woman, Crystal Barnes, at Forty Forty, favorite place, and she was the head of CSR for Nielsen. And I'm like, time out, black woman, in Forty Forty, so okay, you're everything, you're you're everything, and head of corporate social responsibility for Nielsen. Time out, sign me up. And the, the one piece of advice she told me, she said, listen, there's not a lot of um, opportunities in the space right now, but what you need to do is, essentially find roles that can help you mirror the work that you want to do with CSR. And she told me that's like community outreach, that's external affairs. You know, you can bring the element of CSR into those spaces so that once a job offer opens up, you have now done the work, even though it was called something else. And I then landed a job in the mayor's office. And now I'm like, okay, doing as a director of community affairs. And I'm like, boom. I'm now able to do it. Now I'm now I'm actually on this path again. Now this is this is nine ten months of contracting, making way less than what I was making my salary, holding on to all of my, the apartments and the cars and the lifestyle that we were trying to live by a threat, very threat. Okay, you know, in the mid in the midst of me trying to like get back into this space of. Like the work that I really want to do, I started contracting with like this real estate company, and I'm just you know again I have I got my apartment that I need to pay for and got this car note that I didn't ask my fa- parents for this car but here we are we got it, and we trying to go outside we trying we we at, at the the height of all of it we were trying to have a good time right at all time. and I needed to buy all, all the all the clothes from Necessary Clothing right. Okay, I'm, not necessary
1: clothing at Missy Boutique. It. If you if you Listen, know you know M- 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 <laughs> If
0: you were if you were outside, then you know you were there, right? And that's it. That's that's all. That's all I want to do. Those three things, and keep my phone on. Like that's it. <laughs> very small goals. <laughs> very small goals. Small goals. Like can the money? Can the money just take care of these things? That's it. All right? And leave the job. Because I was like working on a Saturday, get home, look at my answer She they done fired me. I'm like, come on, what did I do? Like, it's Saturday. How do you get fired on a Saturday? How do you get fired on a Saturday? Again, fired on a Saturday. I'm sitting in my car and I'm like, You can't this this is it. Like I ruined my life. I said to myself, I ruined my life because look at me, like you're contracting. I had just now, funny enough, that week I had just interviewed for three positions in the mayor's office. I hadn't heard back from them yet. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, this, this I can't believe this. And it was the lowest I felt. And that night, I think some of my friends were going to park <laughs> in Harlem. And mind you, I'm now depressed. I'm literally depressed because I'm like, I gotta find me a new job by Monday. Like it's the middle of the month. I have to hurry up and find a new job before the end of
1: the month so that I can pay these bills. And the girls and are in the park having $15 cocktails. Listen, and the girls are <laughs>
0: having $15 cocktails. I like what is what? Like this is this is not life, right? And I go upstairs. You know, I call my parents, my mom and dad are so nervous. They're like, oh my gosh, she you you don't sound good. Do we need to come over there? I'm like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I I just I hate myself. I was beating myself up. Eight o'clock rolls around. I turn my phone off because I don't want to talk to anyone. Like curtains are closed, lights are out. Turn my phone back on at eight o'clock. Text messages. Hey, we're at park. Like, are you coming? Whatever. And I say to myself, I'm like, I sit on the bed and I'm like, It is what it is, right? Like, this is a reality. It's nothing you can do, but have some fun. Go, get dressed, enjoy your weekend. We'll come back to this on Monday. Went, had the time of my life, you know, was able to escape the feelings I was feeling. Wake up on Monday with a phone call with two job offers from the mayor's office. And that particular moment was just like, I will never forget that feeling because it was, it will be the reminder for me that no matter how low life gets, your only responsibility in this life is to keep going, right? Is to keep moving forward. If you are able to pick yourself up, put another foot in front of the other, there is bound for something good to happen. And we're just remembering how low I felt in that car. I'm like, had i done something ridiculous had i just was just just took that moment too seriously i wouldn't have saw that like in less than 48 hours my life was going to completely change and that's exactly what happened so you know again just understand like when we say like this didn't come easy you know it it wasn't hard you know but we earned it we earned this for sure
1: yeah (laughs) I but didn't know I, that I still ended the up at girls park. almost didn't come to park. I was about to say, I didn't know you ain't almost making the park, girl.
0: <laughs> I was definitely, I was I was packing my stuff up. I'm like, yeah, let me move out this <laughs> apartment. Like, I can't, I was like, tell my dad, like, send the gift to back to, to the people. I'm moving back home because I've, I've ruined, I've ruined it. I've ruined everything. I went to college for no reason. I'm like, you're carrying 22. on, you're carrying on, you're carrying on carrying on like I canceled my life at 22 (laughs) in this moment because that's how that's how serious I took like having a job having a career being on you know the right path but again the biggest thing was just the regret of making a decision based off of what everyone else was doing Mm -hmm. and that was the last time I ever did that you know that like what other people have going on that's for them and the minute that you try to replicate or do what someone else is doing, you will mm-hmm. ruin your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I, mm-hmm. I was very happy to learn that lesson at 22 and not at 32, where, you know, those decisions could be way more, um, way more impactful, right? You have way more to lose at that time. You know, at 22, it was just like a $900 apartment that I thought was the thing. Um, right, right. You know, but again, it was a big deal for me. And thank God that I had that mentality that like, yes, this hurts right now, but I have to do it to set me up for later. Again, going back to that idea of like, you know, looking forward into the future. Yes, you know, leaving my job the way I did so abruptly was the dumbest decision I made, but it was also the smartest decision I made. Um, Because now I land a job in the mayor's office and then I actually begin this career in community work in social responsibility from a corporate lens, um, even from a political lens, because at that time I still had my passion for politics. Um, and it all came together, but it was it was a jolt, you know, and sometimes you have to do the wildest thing. Tiffany and I both in our careers have done some of the wildest things. Like our parents didn't even understand, like, why are you why are you making this decision? Um but we knew that like, again, staying true to our passion, staying true to what we want to do, that was the only way that it was gonna bring us back full circle um, and grateful, you know, because again, that this space, even to this day, there's more roles opening up, but it's a very small niche um, space and everyone wants to do it because everyone wants to do work that feels good, but pays what, well, right? Um, and I'm very fortunate that I get to do it at the top.
1: Everyone wants to do work that feels good, but pays well. Alizé is now the director of social and community impact for New York City at Nike, a job that didn't exist when she and I were dreaming and scheming in our colorful Uggs. See, I told y'all, a legend. Alizé, you are a very well-known Howard graduate. I will say every time I meet somebody from Howard, I say, do you know Alizé Beal? And they go, "Ali from School of B.? <laughs> You're Very well known. Okay. Um, you are an award-winning philanthropist. You are a wife. You are a mother of three. You are a big sister. You are a wow. fantastic friend. What does the quote, too much is given, mean to you?
0: Mm. Tiffany is my favorite quote of all times. So and I will quote this quote until I die. But it's, it's because I've literally, if you ask me, you know, what's my favorite quote or what does this all mean? That phrase is going to come up because I've been hearing it since I was 14. Um, and at that time, not really realizing how fortunate I actually was. Um, and and that's for, and fortunate that I was going to remain, you know, not on what things. all be to God. Um, when you have a gift, when you have, Exposure when you have a talent, when you have means, when you have, when you are in a surplus surplus of something, whatever that something is, it is for you to think about how you can do for the next person. Um, and it doesn't have to be for the entire world, it literally can be just for one person, right? How are you um restoring that feeling? And the gifts and the blessing that you have for the next person. And it's been something that you know, my family, we've been doing since I was a little girl. You know, something as simple as taking our toys and our clothes and giving it to one of our neighbors who we knew, you know, didn't have as much. And and that's, you know, just being cognizant of like, oh, there are people that need, you know, and how can you be in service of them? And and just keeping a service mindset. And that has been I think what has allowed me to be you know so blessed um as a little girl and i think it and i believe in generational blessings um you know we are sometimes you 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 are reaping the blessings from your mother your grandparents whoever in your family and i do think that i reap a lot of those generational blessings because all the people in my family kind of have this service mindset um it's not just about you know what Am I doing for myself is about what I'm doing for others. And that is key. And that is how you stay on God's good side if you believe
1: in God. I'm trying to stay on God's good side, okay?
0: Listen, that's it. Service, a servitude mindset. Um, you know, and again, it's how could you not, right? Like, look at through the good and the bad, you know, we've always been able to stay afloat in this particular way, like we have to be grateful. We have to constantly think about like, how do we give back? And again, for everyone that looks differently, right? You know, there's no uh, formula for that, but you have to keep that top of mind.
1: Allie, I am so proud of the work we've done and the woman you've become. Is there anything else you wanna say on the way home? Thank you for this, Tiffany. That's it.
0: You know, I think that, you know, one of the beautiful things about you is that you constantly think about ways to, you know, produce content that feels good, um, that can actually be of use to someone. Um, and again, going back to that networking across piece, like, I can only imagine how this feels for you, just thinking about like where you were when you met, you know, the different people that you'll continue to interview and have these discussions with and to see them now you know and it's like also knowing you know we would toss and turn at night like is this ever gonna connect right like is this ever gonna make sense Mm -hmm. am i actually gonna like achieve these things like these vision boards and all these you know
1: you know we love a vision board too
0: right all these notes <laughs> and these goals like is this actually going to turn into something um you know so to be able to sit back and like have these conversations i know that this is such a warmly good feeling for you so just thank you for doing this in a very authentic way you know i think that the other part is i don't know so funny story I did not. I was the. I think I was the last person to have Instagram in our friends. Yes. And Tiffany would hound me like, "You have to get on this thing called Instagram." And I'm like, "I'm still trying to figure out Facebook, Tiffany. Like, I can't. I, I can't do two apps." So we're standing outside. It's like her and her friend Monique, and Monique is like, "Absolutely not. Like, you need to get on Instagram. Like, this is like this is disgusting. Like, you're running a nonprofit. You don't have social media." And I'm like, but what am I supposed to do? Take photos and do what? I gotta make captions. I'm like, I don't even know how to do all of that. I'm still wearing tights to the club. Like this is like, guys. This is- so it was too much for you. It was too much too fast. It was too much. And I think this is what's cool about this in this space where you could just be. And I think now folks just want to be, right? I think that you build the best relationships, you know, because you're just showing up as you are. Um, so thank you for creating a space that like, I literally was on TikTok you like, is there something you want me to wear particularly like you know and i'm like i doubt that's what we're you know doing. Me. um you, you know that's me. Not, that's not the time that we're on um so thank you for just producing content that's just authentic authentic and real and it can allow people to just focus on the words and not all the other extras um because i think we spent a lot of time buying into the extras and realizing there's no substance there and like you know for the folks that's listening you know, the, this is these this is real. Like this, there's no fluff here. Like, this is real stuff. This is real life. So, hopefully, it resonates with someone. Um, and you get you a, what? Would it be an Emmy? No. What what, what are these awards in your um, world?
1: You I sure don't, get? Well, I don't know what <laughs> you win for podcasts. Maybe a Grammy. <laughs> Do I win a Grammy for this? Do you get a Grammy? Oh, I think so. Holly Dolly, are you almost home?